Good morning. It's nice to see everyone here bright and early. Um, I just want to say thank you to a few people. Uh, I just want to say thank you to my Auntie Ilona for driving me all the way to Duxbury and then taking me out of service and driving me all the way here so we can be here on time. And I also want to thank Pastor Josie for letting me speak at the Duxbury Church and all the pastors, pastoral staff here, um, David and Pastor Stan, and my parents and my grandmother and other family who are here as well. Um, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day and thank you for all that you are doing. And Lord, I just ask that you would remind us who we are. And Lord, I just ask that you would remind us who you say we are. And as we take in a deep breath, we exhale anything that is not of you and we let go of any stress and any anxiety and we breathe in your love. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the main idea that we will be diving into this morning is learning that we all need to listen to God's voice of reason. And that is exactly what the sermon title is, Voice of Reason. When I had asked God to tell me what story I should do, he reminded me of the story of Balaam and the donkey. How many of you know this story? Yay. <clears throat> and if, for those of you who don't know the story, I'll just let you know that there is a talking donkey in it. <laughs> and it reminds me of the movie called Shrek. Who's seen that movie? Yay, more hands raised. This movie has one of my favorite characters in it that you might be able to connect to our Bible story. Can anyone guess what, who that character is? No, not the donkey. <laughs> it's a cat in boots, a talking cat in boots with a sword. He can also speak. In order to get a better grasp of what's happening in our Bible story, we have to first paint the scene of what's happening here and take a few steps back to the beginning of the chapter. So we've got God's people, the Israelites, who have just defeated the Amorites and their king named Og. Now the Israelites have been traveling and setting up camps all over the place. And after recent events of the defeat of King Og and his people, a king named Balak is now on the edge and is starting to fear and starting to think this wicked strong army has just defeated another nation, I'm next. So what King Balak does is send his messengers in order to get this, this seer or diviner named Balaam. And what a diviner is, is someone who could see into the spiritual world. Balak wants him on his team so that they can curse the Israelite people. When they get to Balaam, they give him this diviner, uh, diviner's fee, and he tells them that they must stay at night in order for Balaam to talk with the God of Israel to get the answer. Then God shows up and tells Balaam, don't go. Okay. So Balaam tells the king's people that he was unable to go and that they should go back from where they came from. 
They then report to the king without Balaam with them. And the king wasn't having it, and so he sent them back with more people who are much more nobler than the last and sent them on their way. So the same thing happened again, except God answered differently and told Balaam, if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So he went, and then we pick up our story in Numbers chapter uh, 22, verses 22 through 35. And if you have your Bible, you can flip right to it and follow along. And it reads, But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. Within today's word, I want to share with you four points that will help us get closer to God. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, being 
open to God. Number two, the place of openness. Number three, God's open arms. Number four, our hearts turned around. Number one, being open to God. Number two, the place of openness. Three, God's open arms. And four, our hearts turned around. For me, the character who stands out the most is the donkey. She's this animal who is just doing what she has to do in order to keep Balaam, Balaam safe. And she, she really connects with me because in my family, I have many aunts and my dad, my grandmother, many cousins, my auntie Ilona, and my mom, who, like the donkey, are trying to keep me safe and keep me in check. Verse 23 tells us that when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword in his hand, she turned aside and went into the field. The word used here for field in Hebrew is sadeh, which could be translated as pasture or open field. But let's focus on open field. When I went to France with Josh and Jenna and others from the United Methodist Church this past July, I loved being able to wake up in the morning and step outside the room and just like look out and see all the open fields and the rolling hills and all the animals that were walking around. And it connects to the story because what the donkey did was try to do the same thing for Balaam. Because the donkey saw something that he couldn't see. God put certain people in our lives who will try to show us that the choices that we make aren't always the wisest choices. So what they will do is try to turn us to a place where we can realize our wrongdoings then they will point us in the right direction to where we can be at a place of openness with God. What does it mean to be open to God? It means allowing God to start working in our hearts. Some, sometimes us as humans have a tendency to store and hold on to the issues that we face in life at, at the center of our hearts. We're also reluctant to realize that there is a problem somewhere in our lives and, and to receive help that can be an issue for us. See, it's that fact that we're not willing to let God fully into all corners of our hearts. We might have let him into a portion of it, but there are certain doors that we've kept locked for years, not letting God anywhere near. How many of you have ever read any of the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. That is amazing. How many of you have ever seen the Narnia movie? That's, that's even better. If you haven't, I suggest that you first read the book and then watch the movie. And in, for those of you who, have, who haven't seen any of the movies or read any of the books, there's also talking animals in that as well. One of my favorite scenes in the first movie is when the four main characters of the book were really bored because it was raining outside, and so they decided to play hide-and-go-seek 
in this big, huge mansion that they were staying at to avoid the war that was happening in England. One of the four characters, a little girl named Lucy Pevensey, hid in this room with this odd piece of furniture, which had a dusty sheet over it. Lucy got closer to it, and like all kids who have curiosity, took the sheet off. She then opened up the door and knew that she had just found the perfect hiding spot. She closed the door and started to back up into the wardrobe. But what Lucy soon bumped into inside the wardrobe was strange. It was a prickly pine tree. She turned around and found herself in this cold, wintry world. This world was called Narnia. And later on in the story, we find out that it was ruled by the Ice Queen. Just like this cold, frozen over world that was hidden, hiding in a small wardrobe in a huge mansion, we also have that place in our hearts that at some point we left unchecked, and after we let it sit, it began to hurt us. What this small, cold area in our heart begins to do is create a draft that starts to leak out to all other corners of our hearts. See, what some of us are allowing to happen is letting that coldness dwell in our hearts for so long that it begins to cause this draft that lets all those emotions take dominance over us, bitterness, moodiness, and cruelness. For some of us, it might cause this deep sadness or depression or maybe even this fear of trusting. The Bible says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart reflects the true man. What it's saying here is that whatever is in our hearts is going to end up actually showing our true colors at some point or another, and it's going to end up on the outside. Initially, when we read our Bible story for today, there might have been something that we weren't seeing when it tells us that God's anger was kindled, when Balaam went, and you might have been wondering, I thought he said that he could go. See, God did give Balaam permission to go, but God is a God who just doesn't search our words and our outward appearance. He searches the heart and the inner being of a person. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, they have wandered off the main road and have gone astray because they are prophets who love profit. The wages they earned by wrongdoing. They are following the examples of Balaam, son of Beor, who was rebuked for evil by a donkey incapable of speech, yet that spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. It was Balaam's intentions that God was trying to stop. God loves and cares so much for us that he will chase his children down, saying to us, I want to help you with that broken area of your heart. Can I come in? Please let me help you. Stop and please listen to this voice of reason, even if we've been holding 
onto 50 years of heartbreak, trying to fill the holes in ourselves. But the reason nothing is being fixed is because we've been trying to fill something that was God-sized. It's only something that God can fill. See, we've been looking for that one puzzle piece that's missing, and we've been trying to see if everything that we found in the world would be able to take God's place. But we've been trying to fit this piece in. The whole only be, begins to get bigger and bigger. The missing piece is God. Just like God opened up Balaam's eyes so he could see the angel of the Lord, God is going to open up our eyes so that we can find that missing piece, which is him. When God opened up Balaam's eyes, Balaam saw what I imagine is this huge dude with a flaming sword in his hand. The word used in verse 23 for sword can be translated as chisel or tool. The imagery that I'm reminded of is that Jesus is a great physician and he's got his tools to help us deal with those issues in our hearts, mending the broken pieces together. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is in Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, which says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account. What God has to do is take what has been hidden in the dark, which is in our hearts, and pull it into the light. Because whatever is illuminated becomes light. God wants each and every one of us to be lights, following the example of Jesus. He's saying to us that we can fall into his open arms. God wants us to trust in him and know that in his timing that all things are going to be worked out. My last point that I'll end with is our hearts turned around. I can remember being a young high schooler attending the summer ascend camps at Monadnock with some of the brothership. And actually, I think some of our youth had just come back um, last week, I think, from Monadnock. And like our youth, I remember one of the nights they, they do an altar call. And for any of those who have heavy hearts or broken spirits, what I saw that night was so amazing. If you can imagine kids coming along this area right here, just filling up this area, and then there were so many kids that at some point they had to fill in the aisles on each side. And then I can remember this red cross that was laid on the ground. And what kids were eventually able to do was to come and to write on a little piece of paper the issues of their heart, and then they were able to nail that issue in.
to the cross. I can remember the feeling of this pulsating rhythm inside my chest. It felt as though God was knocking on my heart. I then fell on my knees as well, just like all the others, and ended up in the aisle, and then later nailing the issues of my heart onto the cross. We had repented. We did a 180 and started to turn back to God so that we could hear his voice of reason. We see at the end of our Bible story, when God opened up Balaam's eyes, he immediately fell at God's feet. Balaam had realized his sin and started to ask God for forgiveness. Repent, that's what Balaam did. All of us have that opportunity to turn back to him today. Jesus is saying, take hold my hand so I can lift you up out of the darkness. Listen to this truth and what he says about us. Once you do that, run into his arms. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you and we adore you and we are thankful for who you are, the grace that you give and, the, and who you are, the lovingness that you show us every time when we mess up, you lift us up out of the darkness that we're in and the issues that we have in our hearts, you, you try to tap on our shoulders so that we can come back to you. Lord, I just ask that this message would resonate with us and sit in us so that we can turn to you. We thank you for all that you do and for this week that you're going to give us. It's going to be an amazing week. I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for those words, Asakai. The resonation, the voice within, the opportunity for us to go deeper and search and to see what God is calling each and every one of us to do. At this time, we always hear the message, receive it in our heart and soul, and then let it stir within us for a moment. To let the words that God poured into Asakai resonate as we've, we've heard it and then let it soak into each of us to pause. There's such an importance in pausing and reflecting upon the word. So we take this moment as we hear some music, gently praying, oh, excuse me, gently playing, and to search and to hear the words that Asakai was talking about. And to take the moment to realize that we have those holes in our lives. The words from, that was poured out was God-sized. Those, those areas in our lives that can only be filled with God. That missing piece. Taking the opportunity to let God illuminate our lives. So that then we forth can go and illuminate onto others. 
we take this moment just to pause, to listen to what God is calling us, to hearing Christ knocking at our hearts. And as we go forth and sing our closing hymn, the altar is always open for you, for you to come forth, to have prayer, to call upon Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We welcome you here at the cross. We welcome you to receive Christ. You are loved greatly and deeply. Now will you rise in body and spirit as we sing our closing hymn. And the altar is open for you to come, for us to pray with you and over you. As Christ so moves us as a group of people upon whom he loves. <laughs>